Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Fringes of the Faith. This is the podcast dedicated to some of the fringe elements, the obscure things in the Bible and in our faith of Christianity. I'm Paul Henderson. I'm the administrative pastor at Capstone Church here in Bimbrook, Texas. And sitting next to me is, of course, Parky Coburn, senior pastor of Capstone Church. How are you doing today, Parky? Oh, I'm just doing great. You know, oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually doing pretty good. I'm living the dream. Good. Weather's cooling off. Oh, yeah. Here in Texas, those of you guys that may not be here, maybe you're actually very cold where you are, but it's been great here in Texas. It's recently. been awesome. It's yeah. been awesome. So, you know, there's been a renewed interest lately in the end times, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of information, a lot of videos popping up, um, people trying to predict this or that, and you know, talking a lot about, um, you know, Matthew 24 and how that all interplays and maybe how, you know, what it has to do with our generation today. And so I thought maybe we would tackle this topic about the coming apocalypse. What do you think? I think that would be a great topic. Okay. Well, so this renewed interest in in the end times, I'm I'm thinking that it's probably related to COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be the escalation of tension between multiple countries like Iran and North Korea, Pakistan and China and the U.S. It could be a significant increase in in extreme weather patterns that we've seen and and earthquakes and, and wildfires and, and some natural disaster disasters. And it you know it actually could also be the current psychological state of humanity uh, due to two years of of dealing with this COVID uh, pandemic. So um you know, you don't know. I kind of actually believe it's all the above. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think another thing that's adding to it uh, worldwide, because this is a worldwide thing, is the inf- uh, the institution of mandates. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, as mandates enter in, people's mind can't help to skip forward uh, to some of the things they read about in the book of Revelation regarding the mark of the beast and things like that. So I think that's another thing that's bringing it, um, you know, more interest in the end times. You know, in the last 10 years or so, uh, we keep hearing this phrase over this, the stage is being set, the stage is being set. And I think you're right. I think that when this pandemic hit and now we've got mandates, I think that the stage is absolutely almost prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like they've got the systems in place, and now they're just trying to work on the psychological element of, of the people. Yeah, I agree with you, Pastor Paul. And, and as we're saying this, we're, we're not talking about uh, a, a vaccine, mm-hmm. whether, you t- whether the vaccine is to be taken or not to be taken. That's just the, the issue at hand. Uh, we're talking about mandates and the ability of the government to come in and tell you what you must do or bring punitive measures against you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't, you can't help but look at that and see that as a foreshadowing of uh, what could happen in the, and did happen in the book of Revelation. Well, and I don't think that in my lifetime, and we'll talk a little bit more about some other things that have occurred in our lifetimes, but in my lifetime, I would ever have thought that we would have here in Texas, that we would actually have to create a law that would forbid the government from shutting down church services. I know. Uh, and I know this is not the first time in history we've been through something like this. But, uh, you know, I, I, as we go along, we just seem to see more and more uh, 
characteristics of the the um, uh, looking at the church and and kind of casting doubt on its importance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's not that important. It, it can you know it's just another club. It's another thing that people go to, and and casting doubt on its importance. And and then you know as people. Uh, start being threatened in their jobs. You know, hey, if if you don't take this, then you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your income. Then people uh, began to think, uh, uh-oh, we're stepping into territory that is dangerous. It's a foreshadowing of danger. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually, like we said, it seems to be a culmination of all these different factors that are that are coming together um, that seem to be driving this interest in the end times. And you know what? Jesus said it would be all, all of these factors that would indicate the signs of the end of the age. So why don't we look at Matthew 24 and really break it down? And what we're going to do is we're going to break it down using biblical context. Um, and, and we're going to look at, look at it and see how it relates to our current generation. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... It says this, the beginning of Matthew 24, it says, While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And now what I just read was, was a translation from the Christian Standard Bible, and I think most translations are, are pretty in line with that one. But here's something that's interesting. When you go to the very original translation, which is the King James Version, it's the, most, it's the closest translation that we have uh, to what was actually said and what was actually meant from Greek to our English version. And it says this, it says, What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? A little bit different meaning there. End of the world, which when we read that, of course, our mind goes forward uh, to the time when all things come to a culmination. I mean, you know, and things end you know, right. as we know it. Yeah, like the, the finality, the conclusion right. of all life, and yes. all existence. And so the sign of thy coming, when we look at the King James Version, is a reference to Jesus' coming kingdom. It's, it's, the Greek word here is used is parousia. Am I saying that right? Parousia. Yeah, I say it more like a Texan, Perusia. Perusia, like your Perusia in the Isles. Yeah, yeah. So, may I help you find something? No, I'm just Perusiaing. <laughs> so, Perusia is the word, and it means to be near. It means presence. Um, in other words, they were asking Jesus, what will be the sign um, that you'll be making your presence known to the world as the King, as the Messiah? And then, then there was a follow-up question. And, and they ask what the signs of the end of the world would be. And I've, I've seen a lot of commentaries that, that say that the disciples at this point understood that there were two different events, that, you know, the, the day that he establishes his kingdom is a different event. Um, but I don't know that I actually see it in that. And we may talk a little bit more about that. Okay. But, um, I think I think it's the same question. I think that it's the same question that they're asking, just two different ways. And so I believe that what they were asking about when will the signs of the end of the world be, that they're asking when is the oppression going to end under Caesar and the religious system that they were under. I think that's one of the questions that was on their mind. 
So just to be clear, I don't believe that they were talking about the end of the church age or the end of the physical world as we know it when they asked this particular question. Well, you could be right. You could very well be right on that, especially if you read those scriptures in context uh, to the entire conversation, which you would have to go back chapters uh, to be able to see what the context is. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus is primarily talking about things uh, that were going on at the present time before, and now I'm talking about before Matthew 24, things that were going on at the present time that were not in line with his, with his rulership, his lordship, whether they be in the religious realm. Mm -hmm. Primarily, he was talking about that realm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the disciples, uh, who's to say they even knew anything about a church age or anything? I, I, I think the disciples really thought Jesus was going to take over everything somehow, restore the kingdom of Israel, and then rule as king there. Whether they thought that was an eternal rule or a, a period of rule, I don't think they they considered another reality. Do you? No, I don't. And and I think that when you look at when you start looking at Matthew twenty four, like you said, in context, um, you, you look at it based on the context of the conversation that they had, the entire conversation, and then you also look at the level of understanding demonstrated by the disciples throughout the Gospels. I mean, how many times was Jesus saying, you don't get it, do you? You don't get it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think their level of understanding would have been high enough to understand that Jesus was, was you know, what he was talking about uh, as far as when these things would happen. And then you look at the teachings, like you said, in previous chapters leading up to Matthew 24. So I think the disciples were asking, when can we expect you, Jesus, to overthrow the government and change the circumstances. Yeah, I agree with that. Even after Jesus' resurrection in the book of Acts, what's the what's one of the first questions they ask him? Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom right. to Israel? Now, we're not saying there were not any prophecies out there uh, in the in the writings of the prophets that did not talk about other events down the road. But the disciples, uh, I think at that point in time, their focus was on, they, they had an idea. Most of us think we know what God's going to do, <laughs> exactly what he's going to do and how he needs to do it. And I think they were kind of flowing in that at that point in time. Okay, God, what you need to do and what's going to happen now sequentially is you're going, since you've risen from the dead, you're going to become the king. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the religious leader and the kingly leader here, and then you're going to overthrow the Roman Empire. I thought they thought that's what was next, and that's what their focus was on. Right, and when you look at the context and you look at the level of their understanding demonstrated up to this point, I mean, that's kind of Occam's razor. That's the most simplistic answer. And so we go with that. And I think that's an important point because I I have heard, and I'm sure you have, a lot of teachings that point to what Jesus provides as an answer to their question as the signs and seasons leading up to the rapture of the church and the end of time as we know it. And I don't think the disciples at this point had that level of understanding, and so I don't think he was speaking that far above their heads either. No. uh, You know, when you look at Matthew 24, my interpretation of it, uh, and I've studied a lot about in the original language and what other people think about it, my interpretation of it is it's it's a lot like uh, a lot of um, prophetic stuff in the Scriptures. It, It... it, it can be one chapter, but it can span thousands of years. Mm-hmm. 
you know, what he's talking about can span. You know, Daniel did that, uh, prophesied that way. And at the very end of Matthew 24, you know, from chapter, verse 15, excuse me, on, yeah, I mean, he's probably, he's talking about some things undoubtedly that were, that were way down the road in the future. Thousands, yeah. But when you go before verse 15, mm-hmm. he's talking about things that many of them happened before the, the book of Acts was even finished being written. That's right. That's right. And, you know, he may very well also could be talking about the signs and seasons of the rapture of the church or the end as we know it, because we also know that Jesus in his prophecies, in his parables, they were multi-layered. In other words, they could be fulfilled in this period of time, but then they could also be fulfilled in a secondary period mm-hmm. of time. So they were multi-layered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you know, just, again, demonstrates that God's ways are, are not our ways and that his thoughts are, are way higher than our thoughts. So in order to better understand what Jesus is saying in Matthew 24, like you said earlier, we need to look back mm-hmm. a couple of chapters. And so let's, let's look at chapter 23 and see what's going on. Now, I'm not going to read uh, chapter 23. I'm just going to give an overview. I encourage you, though, if you're watching and listening, to read chapter 23 um, and some of these other chapters that we'll talk about in order to gain that perspective of biblical context. So in Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, and he's telling them about the woes that they're going to experience and and what's going to happen to them for being hypocrites and for leading Israel astray and for killing God's prophets. Because at the end of chapter 23, Jesus says, Mm -hmm. he says that all of the righteous blood that has been shed from Abel to the prophet Zacharias will be on the heads of the generation that will crucify him. So all the blood of the righteous, he is saying now, will be on your heads, mm-hmm. talking specifically to the scribes and the Pharisees and the generation of Jesus. And he goes on to say uh, that Jerusalem will be left desolate because of this. Now, thinking about the disciples, their frame of mind and their reference, and in the context of what we know about them at this point, I would think that this would obviously bring some excitement to them uh, just like you said, they were thinking that Jesus was going to establish his kingdom right then and there um, and make all of these religious leaders and Gentiles pay for their wickedness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, I tell you, it's hard to really know what they were thinking, of course, and we're not saying we know that for sure. Um, y- you know, I think there might have been, a, there might have just been pure glee. Uh, because the scribes, uh, the Pharisees, even even some of the uh, the the priesthood, didn't treat the normal people uh, in, in the society always very nicely, and and so I'm sure that they, they some of the people didn't mind to see them getting some of their comeuppance and saying, hey, you know, he's going to set right the things that are wrong in in this. Uh, there could also have been some confusion. You know, it's like, hey, what's happening here? Uh, how is he going to make a league with these guys when he's got such animosity? And not, not on Jesus' part, but there's such a dichotomy of, of viewpoints there. I think that that was what maybe Judas got hung up on. Mm. But if, if they thought that Jesus was just going to exert his power at some point in time, then, yeah, they just said, well, he's just going to exert his power and he's going to take over in some form or fashion and he's going to set all, he's setting all this right and he's telling them how he's going to do it. 
And so when you when you look at chapter 23 and you think, wow, I mean, why is he giving all these woes? Um, it makes you wonder, okay, what's the purpose of that? And so then you go back a little farther. And if you look back at chapter 21, Jesus tells this parable about a man leasing out his vineyard. This is an owner of a vineyard. He leases it to some folks. And then... After the harvest is ripe and the grapes are ready to be collected, he sends his servants uh, really to go get payment for the lease, and mm-hmm. what's, due, what's due the owner, and they beat the servants up, and they, they send them back packing. And so the owner says, okay, well, I'm going to send my son because they'll respect him. And so he does, and the renters not only beat him, but they kill his son because they want to steal his inheritance. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus turns to the Jewish leaders um, and asks them what they thought the owner of the vineyard would do in this situation. And so really, Jesus is talking about, the the parable is about the Jewish leaders, Mm -hmm. and they don't get it yet. So Jesus turns to them, he says, well, okay, so in this situation, what would the owner do? And they replied in judgment of themselves that the owner should give them a horrible death and lease out their vineyard to others. Right. And so not only did they judge themselves right there on the spot, they also prophesied correctly that the kingdom would be extended to the Gentiles. And all of these factors created this expectation with the disciples that Jesus was about to reign over Jerusalem and Israel very, very soon, within their lifetime, of course, and that he was the owner of the vineyard, exacting judgment over the Jewish leaders. And then here's the piece of resistance, or de resistance. Is that mm-hmm. how you say it? Piece and it comes, it, we go back to chapter 24 and verse yeah. 2, and Jesus says this about the temple because they're looking at the temple. After he goes into this discourse, they're looking at the temple, and they're saying, well, what about all these wonderful buildings? And Because... Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think was on their mind when they were pointing those buildings out? You, well, we talked about it earlier off the off the broadcast. Yeah, we we did. You know, I don't think I think when Jesus told told the parable, Jesus prophesied through the parable yes. of of the vineyard, and I think, but I think the disciples thought he was just telling a story. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think they thought, hey, he's telling exactly how this thing's going to play out because the the son at the vineyard died; he was killed by these people, and I think they were just. They thought he was just talking about the amount of sin and contempt that these people had, and that's why they need to be changed or removed. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I'm thinking they might have been going, hey, man, I mean, uh, you know, these wicked leaders are going to be put in their place, and then we're all going to get to take their place and, and put things right. And look at this beautiful uh, temple uh, here that, that we're going to get to serve in. I mean, it's possible that's what they could have been thinking. Well, it makes sense when you look at Jesus' response, mm-hmm. because it, if you don't look at it through that context, then his response really is kind of obscure, and it doesn't mm-hmm. make a, a lot of sense. But thinking that the disciples were looking at these beautiful, the beautiful temple, thinking that one day soon that they would be reigning, it makes sense that they would say, well, Jesus, look at, the, look at these beautiful temples. And he says... See ye not all these things? Mm-hmm. He's saying, look at this temple. Mm-hmm. He says, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Mm. What do you think they thought about that? I think it. I think that they were, it caused a great deal of confusion. They're like, wait a second. I do too. I think they were like, wait a minute. I, I, you lost us. Uh, you know, we were with you for a while. 
And uh, that, that was an unusual of Jesus dealing with his disciples uh, because they just could not see uh, what he knew was coming. And, and he was waiting, just like he does with you and I, everybody that's listening and, and us, he, he's waiting through motivations that are not godly. And revealing them and wading through them and getting them to reject those motivations. And, and so the next thing you know, he goes, well, this thing uh, is going to take this, this course. And I think you're right. I think they're just like, whoa, wait a minute. You just lost us. And so this prompted their question, their next question about the coming kingdom. And, and that's what leads them to say, mm-hmm. wait a second. Well, when, well, then what are the signs of your coming? And what, 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 what are the signs of the end of the world? Um, and so let's continue where we left off, and let's, let's see how Jesus responds to their questions, and we'll, we'll pick it up in verse 4 of Matthew 24. He says this, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And I think it's interesting that Jesus starts his response with a warning about deception and about false messiahs, because he says not to be led astray or deceived. And he's talking to the disciples and so I'm wondering if he's looking at them in their confused state, mm-hmm. and, he's, and he's thinking, okay, I just really sent them for a loop, so I need to, to warn them, hey, you guys, you guys may be easily deceived because of this confusion, but I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, don't be, um, don't be led astray. Um, but I also think, you know, when you look back, um, why would the disciples, out of anyone on the earth, why would the disciples be led astray? I mean, you would think of they would be the last people because they were with Christ. They were with Jesus. They saw his power. They, they even knew that, you know, he was who he was. Right. Um, well, that's, that to me, to me, that, that sends a warning to all of us, as you mm-hmm. kind of were alluding to, and that is that, when we have a desire and we have a motive, uh, th- we can look for people who validate that desire and validate that motive. And, I, I, you know, we can be real hard on these guys, but they're just like we were, okay? Mm-hmm. We are, mm-hmm. which was, hey, man, uh, you know, we're in on the ground floor of this amazing uh, renewal of Israel. Uh, I don't even know how much they thought about the kingdom of God. I, th- I think they did, but I, but we're on the ground floor of this amazing renewal of Israel, and it's going to happen. I mean, since he called us and he's here, then it's going to happen during his lifetime. Mm-hmm. And they had no idea uh, that it was going the, the time period that was going to transpire. Uh, that this wasn't going to happen like they thought it was going to happen, even in their own lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Because they were looking at a very specific outcome that uh, that Jesus and Jesus was talking about the kingdom first, right? Kingdom things first. Yes. And he says, "See that no one leads you astray." And then the next thing he says, I find interesting too, is because he starts warning about many who will say, "I am the Christ," mm-hmm. and I think. You know, you you could look at this statement, and it's very easily to assign. It's very easy to assign this to an individual that stands up and says, "Hey, I'm the Christ." Mm-hmm. But there's another way to look at this as well, because I think it would also include any message out there, not just from an individual, but any message out there that promotes a Messiah or a Savior different 
from Jesus of Nazareth. Um, so really what I'm saying is, is maybe Jesus is alluding to the fact that many will say that they have the answers that will save humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and many will, will proclaim that they are the saviors of the world. And so when you think of it that way, then you could be looking at a religious system. Mm-hmm. You could be looking at some scientific or medical breakthrough, uh, like a vaccine or the secret to eternal life through pharmacology or, you know, something of that nature. It might be a government institution that says, hey, we're the only ones that are going to be able to save humanity at this point. Um, you know, it could be famous social influencers, uh, preachers or celebrities that start preaching there are more than one ways to salvation through Jesus. I mean, those messages are uh, claiming to be uh, messiahs in, in and of themselves, that they have the answer instead of Jesus. I mean, does that make any sense? No, it, it can, because uh, we do have people nowadays that come and, and, and try to deceive people by saying, well, hey, I'm, a, I'm an enlightened being of some sort. Uh, son of God, uh, Messiah, Messianic type thing. Uh, But any solution that is proposed to be able to save mankind's ills outside of or exclusive of uh, the lordship of Jesus and his word is a false narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a false narrative, and it has messianic overtones. I mean, even if it's just exalting us as being God rather than exalting God as being God. Mm-hmm. And so let's read on. Let's... We can be our own false messiahs. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so verse 6, we're picking it back up. Here's Jesus answering the disciples' questions. He says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. And you know, haven't there been wars going on since Babylon and probably earlier? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's always I, been war. Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, even even in the pre-flood days and pre, pre-diluvian days, you know, you see the earth was filled with violence. Mm-hmm. You know, there could have been armed conflicts among people, probably were. So, so I think that when we when we listen to Jesus' response here, what he means by we'll hear of wars, uh, meaning that wars will be going on, um, and rumors of wars, uh, and not to be alarmed, here's here's where my mind goes. It goes back to the First World War, which occurred in 1914, because that's the very first global war between nations. Mm -hmm. And then in 1939 through 1945, World War II happened, another global conflict. First, you know, the second of its kind. It's kind of an extension of World War I, but um, it's like a whole global conflict. And I think that most biblical and eschatologic, whatever that word is. Uh, We know what you mean. Yeah. Scholars agree that these two wars prompted the prophetic clock to begin ticking. Now, I know a lot of people point to Israel, but listen um, listen to this and see if, if maybe this might make sense. Because we know that out of these two wars, Israel started to become a nation, beginning with the Balfour Declaration mm-hmm. in 1917. So as a result of this global conflict, Israel now is being propped up in order to become a nation. And so it makes you think of the 
parable of the fig tree that Jesus talks about later in Matthew 24, about it blooming in the spring and decaying summer was near. And so I think that these wars were, were the beginning of the last days countdown. When we say last days, we mean the actual mm-hmm. last days before the return of Christ. Now, I know we've been in the, the last days since the death and resurrection, but I think we're at the last hour, if you could say it that way. I think you're right, though. And here, here's one of the reasons why I think you're right, is when we read prophecies, for instance, Daniel's prophecies about the future, okay, and about the end of time, when you see the book of Revelation, then you understand that the end, when we're talking about the end, we're talking about Jesus' second coming, is going to happen during a time of worldwide deception, worldwide rebellion, worldwide involvement uh, in satanic plans, colluded, Mm -hmm. colluded together. And like you said, that really, really, you know, because of technology and transportation, uh, things that that were not available, that didn't really happen until the, you know, the early 1900s. And that's when we were able to have the communication and, and transportation available to be able to be involved in conflicts beyond our own borders, way beyond our own borders. I'm talking about worldwide, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So I do. I agree with you, Pastor Paul, because those, uh, you know, if you look at those prophecies, they tell of a time when the whole world will be involved in these situations, not just regional conflicts among nations, but the entire world. And, and that happened. Uh, we did have those worldwide conflicts, and I think that based on uh, World War One and Two, when we talk about his next statement about you will hear rumors of wars, I would expect that the rumors of wars would also indicate something along the scale of another global conflict, um, a war involving many large nations. Um, and Jesus says not to be alarmed which is another indication that he's not talking about some small conflict because who's going to be alarmed about a, a small country over here fighting with another other than the people that live in that country, but it wouldn't be like a global uh, concern. So I think he's obviously talking about major global conflicts that will cause anxiety um, across the board. With those governments having the ability to... to inflict, I guess, massive casualties upon people like we do nowadays. Uh, You know, we have weaponry that can, that, you know, people are afraid. They're afraid, not because maybe two nations are going to go to battle on a field, but because nations can send missiles flying into into living areas and destroy massive amounts of of people and land. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think what's a little interesting here, too, is that Jesus, after he says that, he, he attempts to provide, provide, I think, some level of comfort by saying, well, these things you know, must take place. He says, don't be alarmed. These things must take place, but the end is not yet. And I think most people believe that Jesus is talking about when he says the end is not yet, he's talking about the end of time or the end of the world, but he's actually speaking about purpose. Mm-hmm. Because the Greek word for end is telos. Telos. Tell us what the Greek word for the end is. It's telos, which is translated to English as goal, an objective, or a purpose. 
So I believe that what Jesus is telling us is that the occurrence of these major conflicts, these worldwide global conflicts and rumors of these conflicts must take place, but that it's not an indication that the end, that's the end. It's not an indication that this is the end of the world. I think it's, he's saying these have to take place so that the goals and objectives can be fulfilled afterward. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, it's the same word that's used when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And it says, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. Same word mm-hmm. is used that's used there in Matthew. Telos. Telos. Mm-hmm. And, and really what that means is that does mean, that means there's a purpose. And it even means there's a moral purpose. Okay, there's a moral purpose in, in these things happen happening. And, uh, you know, a lot of times w- what we don't realize is that God has given, well, God has given us free will, and we do realize that. But that God is bringing an end to all arguments and all high things that exalt themselves against God's word and against the knowledge of God. And so these things have their purpose in casting down those lies, Mm -hmm. lies that mankind has believed in. Mm -hmm. Well, if we have enough power, we'll be safe. Well, if everybody has equal opportunity, men will always choose the good rather than evil. They won't steal. They won't hurt one another. If everybody has equal opportunity and equal access to goods, man is basically good. Uh, All of these things which are anti-biblical are going to be shown to be a lie through um, all of these things that will happen up to the end. So when, when Jesus is talking about the end, he's talking about that very thing. The end is not the end of the world or the physical universe. The end is until all of those things have been brought to light and all of those things have been refuted, all the arguments have been cast down against the truth. I personally think that that's what it means okay. uh, because, uh, you know, it, it's not necessarily talking about a time frame. It's talking about the falling of all of the lies that have been uh, exalted above the words of the Lord. Mm. Um, it could also mean the manifestation of his kingdom. On yes. earth, in the physical realm. Yes. So that e- the end, the purpose would be uh, the physical manifestation when Jesus returns and sets up his kingship in Jerusalem. So let's continue in verse 7, Matthew 24, verse 7. This is Jesus again, um, continuing his answer. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. So I think that nations rising against nations is the confirming statement by Jesus that the wars he spoke about would be major wars, mm-hmm. pitting nations against one another. Because um, if you remember during the time of Jesus, there was only one superpower, and that was Rome. Mm-hmm. Usually that's kind of the way the world, world worked back then. You know, there was mm-hmm. one major superpower. Uh, empire. Uh, yeah. Empire. And then it would be replaced by another as somebody else grew more powerful or that empire grew weaker and weaker that it couldn't resist outside incursions. So, yeah, uh, nowadays uh, we have the the ability, 
even though that can happen too. I mean, we could have another empire and one superpower. But now, because of the increase in weaponry and things like that, there can be deterrence where there can be several powerful nations existing at one time. And I think that that Jesus at this point is looking down the lens of time and he's providing information about future the future major conflicts. And he says not only nations will rise against nations, but he says kingdoms would rise against kingdoms too. And, you know, I saw a teaching one time that, we, that taught that, well, there's a difference between nations and kingdoms because kingdoms relates to, like, families mm-hmm. going against one another. And I, I tried to find that, and, and I was unable. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I was unable to find that particular connection. But what I did find is that the word kingdom in Hebrew is mamlaka, which means dominion. Mm-hmm. It's a dominion. And the word kingdom in Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus probably spoke, is mamlatha, mm-hmm. very close, mamlatha. It also means dominion. And when translated into Greek, the word kingdom is uh, basilia, mm-hmm. I believe so. Basilia. Mm-hmm. Basilia, and it takes on the meaning of a realm, which is also a synonym of dominion. And so when you look at this word dominion, it indicates superiority, uh, dominance, and sovereignty. And this would implicate world superpowers um, and not just small conflicts. Because like we said earlier, wars have been occurring since you know, the pre-Diluvian period, mm-hmm. most likely. And so here, Jesus begins talking about famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Would you agree uh, that most of the teachings that you've that you've read on this or heard, and most scholars say that diverse means in multiple different locations. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and you know, in locations where those things are not common. Hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, in some areas, those things are common parts of the local strata, uh, just because of where the where it's the country's located. But this is going to happen in places where it's not usual. Let me throw something at you. It might, you know, it might be something new. I don't know. But I looked up this word diverse in Hebrew, and it is keliachim. Mm-hmm. And it means mingle, mingled. Mm-hmm. And so it appears that not only will there be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in different locations, uh, but that they would be mingled together together. Um, in other words, that yeah. they would converge together, meaning they would happen all together in the same era of time. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I think that, you know, all of us living today, and maybe it's the, the advent of, of the communication systems of the world, being able to communicate from anywhere in the world, has helped this, but I, I think we've seen, we see an increase in mm-hmm. those things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, in even in our era, and, and so there's a mingling together. It's like, hey, these things are, are, are seem to be multiplying. Mm-hmm. And there's also maybe even another layer of mm-hmm. meaning here because, you know, it means mingled, which could be a convergence of all these mm-hmm. things happening, um, and we, we see these things happening all in, in one, um, you know, globalized setting. But do you think that during the times of Jesus that the, I guess, I don't know if they were called scientists, but the philosophers and, and you know, the, the educated, do you think they knew about the ring of fire? 
that lies deep underneath the Pacific Ocean? That's a very good question. I don't know. I, I mean, don't know the answer. I to don't that. know if, if they could have or not. Uh, do you think that scientists then would have been able to connect the origins of a famine together? I mean, you know, there are droughts, but there are other issues that can cause famines as well. Yeah, I don't think they had a full knowledge of how those things work, no. What about, like, pestilences or disease? Where did they begin, and how far did they extend out? Do you think they would have had that information? No, I, I think that's a relatively recent phenomenon, don't you? I do. Yeah. And so... I mean, that knowledge is a re re relatively recent phenomenon. Yeah, well, you brought it up earlier about modern technology. And yeah. so geologists and seismologists today have observed with sophisticated technology the area known as the Ring of Fire. And they have connected most, most of the earthquakes that occur to this region. Mm -hmm. And so I think that Jesus is alluding uh, in his comments about earthquakes in diverse places to not only earthquakes in different locations, but that these earthquakes would be related to one another or mingled with one another. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting considering that today we know more about earthquakes and that earthquake activity along the Ring of Fire has exponentially increased over the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, earthquakes have greatly increased in frequency since 2017 in places that you wouldn't normally expect. Mm-hmm. What do you think that's the cause of? Being from Texas, you ought to know this answer. <laughs> well, uh, if you're if you're listening uh, out there to to the climate change and the and the global warming uh, talk, things like that, whether you believe in it or not, then then you know fracking and and oil digging of wells and fracking and all of that stuff is a lot of people are linking to the increase in earthquakes. Mm -hmm. And so if this is true, I'm not saying it is, but if it is, it would be another example of earthquakes being connected or mingled mm -hmm. to one another. In other words, you're able to, to connect the occurrences of earthquakes together uh, instead of it just being a singular event because the gods are angry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it would also explain some of the reason why maybe they're happening in areas where they don't normally, where there's not a natural explanation for it. Right. You know, because yeah. it's man-caused. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the same is true for famines, though, mm -hmm. and for pestilences, which, by the way, do you know what pestilence is? you know what that, that also really means? Uh, some kind of epidemic? Pandemic? Uh, pandemic. 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 And, you know, through real time, or really pretty close to real time, global connections using, of course, the Internet, we're now able to connect famines across the globe, uh, we can attribute those to shortages in food supplies and droughts in certain areas. We can also attribute those to supply chain disruptions. Um, and we're also able to determine where a particular virus or a disease originated from and see how that virus, such as COVID, is connected to a global pandemic. Again, another word for so pandemic. So you're saying we're able to determine where, where they originated? Closely. Well. Pretty close. Okay. Well, okay, I got you. Through the use, I'm just of, being a smart aleck. Through here, the use of <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, te modern technology, and mm -hmm. so when you look at the this, never before in history have we been able to make these types of connections. We just didn't have the data available, and no. we didn't have the systems in place to collect the data. And only through modern technology can we actually accomplish this. And this really has only 
been within the last 10 years, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. And they say technology increases triple every, you know, every, every six months. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And so while most scholars will say that Jesus was pointing to the frequency and intensity of these signs in the various places globally that they will occur in, um, I agree with that. I do. But I think that the context and the linguistic structure of these comments that he makes are more in line with being able to connect these events together rather than the emphasis on frequency and intensity. Because that's all I was hearing for for a a few years was, well, it's it's because of the frequency and the intensity Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, I don't necessarily believe that that's the major emphasis Jesus was pointing to here. I think it's, I think, he, I think he was looking down into our generation and saying, in this generation, they will be able to see all of these things converging, and they'll be able to connect all of these things. They'll be mingled together. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense to you? Yes, uh, I, it does make sense. Because an isolated people group, okay, may not be able to connect all of those things, like you said, because they just don't have the data available to do that. Mm-hmm. If, if it didn't happen right under their feet, mm-hmm. right where they lived, mm-hmm. then they couldn't piece it all together. Right. And, and so here's why I say this. Here's why I say it, it, there's more emphasis on the convergence and the connectability um, based on the, based on the word that, that is used for diverse, um, because I think there's an argument that can be made, and it has been made. I've heard it uh, that because of modern technology, we're, we're we're able to detect more earthquakes. That it's not actually more earthquakes are occurring. It's just that our sophisticated equipment is now detecting them, mm-hmm. um, making it look like an exponential increase in earthquakes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. I do. Yeah. And I think that's possible, yes. But when you look at the, at the argument, um, if you look at it through the lens of that connectability and that mingling together, then that argument doesn't hold up. You can't say well, because of sensitive equipment we're able to – what we're talking about now is, okay, but now we take that one more step above and we say now all of these things are connected. We're able to observe all of these things in real time. Um, through the internet and through the global mm-hmm. connections. And we now are able to connect the dots together. We're able to hopefully, I mean, without joking, we're able to, and I think we are able to to designate the origin of a particular pandemic or a virus. I think we have that technology, and I think it's a very good technology, mm-hmm. and I think it's been demonstrated over and over and over again in modern times that we can do that. But also um, being able to connect earthquakes and volcanic activity to those earthquakes and where those are generated from and how those are generated. Mm -hmm. So I think it has more to do with the explosion of technology and our understanding of these signs that Jesus mentioned in Matthew 24. I, so what you're, what we're saying here, if you're kind of getting lost a little bit is what we're saying is Jesus was, was, uh, pointing more than an increase in things. He was pointing to a time when all these things would be able to be detected. Mm-hmm. And are we in that time where all that can be detected? I believe we absolutely are. Oh, I do too. I mean, and so when that time comes, Pastor Paul, what does the Bible say? Well, <laughs> about that time, uh, two things. One, mm-hmm. look up for your redemption draws near. 
right? Jesus is on his way, but it also says in Matthew 24, verse 8, that all of these things are the beginning of sorrows. Right. The beginning, not the end. They're not the end. And, and you know, like I said, when you get to the end of Matthew 24, Jesus, no doubt, takes a leap into, into the tribulation type times. And I think that's what he's talking about with the beginning. You know, hey, everything that's going to happen before my before the church is raptured or whatever, when we get to a certain point of realization, you better look up because I'm coming very soon. Mm -hmm. And following that period of time uh, will be a time that is very intense in which things will even increase in intensity. Mm -hmm. So he says all these things are the beginning. And usually mm -hmm. in a story, you've got the beginning, uh, the middle, and the end. Yes. Um, and that's a pattern that has existed and will continue to exist until the actual end of time as we know it. But what does he mean by all these are the beginning? Well, it's everything he just talked about just leading. Talked about. The great deceptions and many false claims that people can rely on other saviors. Global wars and rumors of global wars that will cause great anxiety. Nations rising against nations. And I don't believe that that necessarily means wars. I think it means nations in opposition to each other. Mm -hmm. Kingdoms against kingdoms, further confirming that these are major superpower conflicts that we're talking about. The ability to connect the dots regarding the origins of famines, pandemics, and earthquakes. And the frequency and intensity of droughts, disease, and natural disasters. And the convergence of all of these things happening together in no other period of time except for in our time now, were we able to observe all of these things together. Mm -hmm. That's a convergence. I agree. And so we're in a period of time that Jesus referred to as the beginning. Doesn't seem like we're at the beginning, does yeah, it? That does not. Seems like we're at the end. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about sorrow, mm -hmm. which is what he's talking mm -hmm. about, for those that don't know the Lord, Mm-hmm. This period of time and what you see happening right now is just the beginning of a period of sorrow for those that don't know the Lord. And here's something that, that kind of drives the point home of, of the convergence of all these things, because all of these signs that we've talked about as far as convergences, out of, out of 2,000 years, right? Out of 2,000 years, we've only seen these occur within the last 105 years. Mm -hmm. The only items from the signs that Jesus listed that occurred before our generation was World War One and World War Two. Mm -hmm. Everything else happened within one generation, mm -hmm. seventy years out of two thousand years. I think that's a that's a major sign. Yeah, it's a big sign. It's a big sign. So let's move on to the rest of what Jesus says. He says in Matthew twenty four verse nine. Then, okay, then when then yeah. after all these things are the beginning of sorrows after the culmination, the mm -hmm. mixture. After everything is mingled and you start seeing it all together, then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated for all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So there's two things here that I look at, and it really kind of struck me. One of them is it appears that Jesus 
is either switching gears, talking about what's about to happen to the disciples themselves, um, or he's looking ahead. But I think it could be both. You know, he, he's a multi-layered, you know, mm-hmm. omnipotent, omniscient kind of guy, right? So he knows everything. So I think it's a little bit of both. Um, because we know from the accounts of the disciples that they did, they were delivered up and they were afflicted Mm -hmm. and all of them were killed except maybe John and he should have been killed. I mean, my gosh, he was boiled in oil. Yeah. That's what tradition says. Yeah. Yeah. So he should have been killed. So I think he does talk about what's about to happen to the disciples, but then he looks ahead and he states that those that believe in him will be hated by all nations. And I think we're in the process of seeing that, fulfillment today Mm, i do too when you start looking at places like canada yeah north korea china yeah see it's iran it's the beginning uh of that time period and it's like you said i I don't want to belabor this very long because i know you know you've been with us a long time today we appreciate that but jesus can prophesy about something that's coming that in and of itself will be a prophecy of something that's coming later, mm-hmm. but, but is in, in more magnitude. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so like the apostles were persecuted for their faith, and that was real, and that did happen, but that in and of itself also prophesies of a time in which people will be hated mm-hmm. by all nations for their faith in Christ. You see what I'm saying? I, I mean, there's no place to flee. That's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, there's nowhere to go. Right. And I really think that Jesus puts his finger on the pulse of Western civilization when he says that many will be offended and betray one another. That's not something that you find right now, typically in other cultures of the world. They're very, very loyal to one another. But you do see that a lot in Western civilization. And we have actually have a name. We've just now, within the last 12 months or so, 18 months, have put a name to it, and it's called the cancel culture movement mm-hmm. or being woke. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that, you know, you look at something someone posted 10 years ago and someone betrays that person by bringing it back up into light um, because now, you know, we're all woke, which results in being canceled from society and losing your job over this. Now, I don't, you know, they shouldn't have posted anything offensive to begin with. I'm not absolving them of that. But what I'm saying is um, 10 years later, now that you're, you're suddenly woke, what if the person realized it right after they did it and that it was a mistake and they went about their lives with a completely different attitude? I don't think any of you guys that are out there listening want to have everything you done have done held against you forever in your life mm. uh, because that creates a scenario in which no one can change. That's right. No one can, can grow. No one can change from what they were before into, into a different person. And I think the Western civilization, particularly here in America, we've become so intolerant and so full of vengeance, which is the true meaning of being woke. We forget that people can change Mm -hmm. and that we all fall short of the glory of God. And I think another word describing cancel culture and being woke is hate. Mm -hmm. And it's a hate movement because it's motivated by hate. Yeah, we pick and choose which things we're going to hate, too. Yeah, so pe- uh, you know it, it, yeah. it's it's uh, we don't hate everything that's evil. We just pick and choose which ones we want to hate, and that's what Jesus talked about. He continues he continues in Matthew twenty four 
talking exactly about that point. He talks about deception and that many false prophets will see will rise, and, but he doesn't refer to them as false messiahs this time. He refers to them as false prophets, and I think mm-hmm. there's a reason. Uh, because a prophet in, in this sense can be anyone forecasting what they believe the future holds. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. And so if someone says, if we don't shut down the economy mm-hmm. um, and close up businesses and, and, and we stop the freedom of movement, trillions are going to die. I think that's false prophecy. Yeah, it is. All right. If someone says we need to be prepared for a long, dark winter because of COVID, I think that's a false prophet speaking death mm-hmm. over the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly when, could be. Okay. When someone says that life doesn't begin until a baby mm-hmm. is physically born and completely outside of the womb and that abortion is a right, I think that's a false prophet. Yeah. Yeah, that's us. And don't forget, Jesus says that these false prophets will deceive many. Deceive many people. Mm-hmm. What does that say about the current political and moral environment of most of the planet right now? Well, we're deceived. Mm. Many are deceived into believing these false promises and these false statements. And so Jesus closes this segment by saying the love of many will wax cold because of guilt. What do you think he means by that guilt? Guilt from what? What do you think he means? I think it's, I think it's it's guilt of um, everything that they do apart from God. Yeah. I, I think it's self guilt. I think instead of dealing with their own guilt, they lash out at others in hate to deflect their own guilt. Yeah, our our personas that we have built outside of God are so fragile mm-hmm. that if anybody disagrees with it, it's not just a disagreement on philosophy. It's it, it's an attack on personhood. It is. It and is. so we hate them. We respond mm-hmm. with hatred. And the thing is this, is that we're all guilty, but for some reason, you know, this culture of hate, um, they, don't, they don't identify that they're guilty, um, even though they rail against the exact same things that they do. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It's yeah. like they're hypocrites to the infinite amount yeah, and then the Bible says that if you do that, if you judge others, uh, you will be judged by the same measure. And, and how can you judge others for things that you do yourself? Mm-hmm. And you see this a lot, um, and and I'm I'm just going to say it: social media is filled with hate. It oh. is filled with violence, and it's filled with this these displays uh, of this because you see videos all over. Facebook and YouTube that they show people physically fighting one another uh, in the street uh, over some traffic incident or somebody cut somebody off and now there's a fist fight. I mean, at minimum, a fist fight. You see it at sporting events. You see it at Little League uh, baseball games or football games. You on see, on you the see, airplane. You see it on the airplane. You see it in city council meetings. You see mm-hmm. it in school board meetings. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Everywhere. And it's like, for whatever reason, we just can't get enough because if, if we were to stop looking at those videos, they would stop showing them. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, they're, that that's what you see the majority of kind of indicates where we're at. And I didn't mean to, to get on that path, um, but that's we did. Right. So it's just another demonstration of how Jesus was correct 
that the love of many would wax cold. Um, because that has absolutely happened. There's no more love for humanity. And if we think that the government is going to be the savior, then we're being deceived by the false prophets of politics. Yeah, in many ways, the government's encouraging this. Yeah, they are. And so up to this point, we've talked about the basic signs of the coming apocalypse. And hopefully, um, if your eyes are open, you see these signs occurring all around you. And hopefully you're a believer. Uh, because he says that his coming is going to be unexpected. Yes, and it will be. It is. It's going to be unexpected. It's going to catch people by surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the reasons it's going to catch people by surprise, folks, is because people don't believe in it. That's right. They've been taught not to believe in it anymore. And it's going to be a dark day for those that are not watching and they're not prepared. And the sorrows that will follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, are uh, what we have gone through up to this point, which has been many tough things, but the sorrows that are to follow are are, can, are so more in, much more intense that can't be compared mm-hmm. even to what we've gone through up to this point. And so his his return will catch the world off guard, mm-hmm. and and Jesus even speaks to this as well when you read in Matthew twenty four verse 43 through 46 he says just as a man can prevent trouble from thieves by keeping watch for him so you can avoid trouble by always being ready for my unannounced return mm-hmm. you can be ready mm-hmm. and then he, he concludes he says are you a wise and faithful servant of the lord have i given you the task of managing my household to feed my children day by day blessings on you if i return and find you faithfully doing your work i think this is funny i know we're wrapping up here and I just think it's funny because today me and one of the other members of the church were we're talking about a passage of Scripture where Jesus said, wake up, uh, be watchful, be waking. And, you know, the culture calls their revelation being woke. And the Lord is saying you need to really wake up uh, from all this deception uh, and realize that uh, I love you. I've got a great plan for your life if you'll submit to me and that uh, I'm coming back soon uh, to implement that kingdom that Jesus told his disciples about. That's awesome. Well, that's it. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for your insight as always. It's been an interesting topic. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you guys out there for bearing with us today. Yeah, we went a little bit longer than we normally do, but it's kind of hard not to when you're talking about the coming apocalypse. And it is. Because there's so much more that, that needs to be talked about. We may do that in another episode uh, coming up in a few weeks. Thank you for listening, and thank you for watching. And be sure to hit the like button if you've enjoyed this episode, if you're watching on YouTube. And subscribe to Fringes of the Faith so you'll catch all the new episodes that come out in the future. Yeah, and share this with your friends. Yeah, share it. Share it. That's a great idea. And always remember to stay in the word, stay alert, and be not deceived. We'll see you next time. God bless you guys. We love you.